So let me start by telling you a little bit about the Festival of Booths. There's a lot to this to this whole scripture, and I just want to break it down a little bit for you. So booths are the Feast of the Tabernacle, as it's known, or if you spend any time in Jewish communities, it's called Sukkot. Sukkot is a fun-filled feast, and it's celebrated at the end of the harvest, and that's part of why it is such a wonderful time, because this was like a party to say, we did it. We've gathered up all the fruits, and we've gathered up everything we can, and now we get to take a rest and party and, and enjoy that. And in, I have grew up around several Orthodox Jewish communities, and I, I don't know if you have seen them around, but they, they will often create these Sukkot sukkahs or booths throughout the neighborhood where people would go and, um, and they were outside and you could go and you might live in the sukkah or you might just have your meals there. But it was a place to remember in these temporary dwellings, to remember to give thanks to God for delivering their ancestors through the wilderness. And, the, and just remembering how God provided in the wilderness. So the last day of Sukkot, which is what the day we're at in this scripture, is known as Hoshana Rabbah, or the day of the great Hoshana, or great Hosanna. And maybe you remember that word Hosanna, because this is what we say in church at Palm Sunday when Jesus comes in and we lay the palms on on the ground before Jesus and we say Hosanna which means Lord save us. So the great Hosanna happens on that day and that's the context of where Jesus is in this celebration in this fun-filled celebration in Jerusalem. But what you may not know and you have to go back in the chapter a little bit more to see this is just how Jesus felt about going to Jerusalem. And we read that in the earlier part of John chapter 7, which opens telling us about how Jesus's brothers wanted them all to go to Jerusalem for Sukkot. But Jesus knew that Jerusalem, and in fact all of Judea at this point, was actually going to be a dangerous place for him for him especially, but also for his followers. So he had actually resisted going. He's like, eh. But in the end, he changed his mind. And remember, this is a big old celebration. It's a party in the streets. And if you've ever been to a Sukkot celebration, there can be, well, a celebratory mood with probably the great imbibing of spirits. Not that Jesus minded a party. You remember what he did at Cana. He filled the wineskins, so no judgment there. But here at Sukkot, I'm not sure how he felt about the rowdy streets of the time. And I can imagine him making his way over to a stump amongst the crowd there at the temple. I believe he was at the temple, though you could read the text to not quite mean that. He had been there a few days earlier too. But anyway, he's somewhere in the crowd and he gets high enough for people to hear him. No amplification at the time, right? You only could go stand a little bit higher. And whilst everybody else is perhaps dancing in the streets, he came and he crawled atop that stoop, I imagine, and he got folks' attention, which, again, he knew would be dangerous. 
But he went there, he went where the folks were, where these religious folks were who didn't like him and perhaps wanted him killed. He went to those places. And some would say the speech that he gave, knowing the danger that he was in, was probably reckless, recklessly dangerous. And some would say that this speech, right in that space at that time, could get him killed. And they'd be right. So Jesus was taking a major, major risk to stand up in the party, get their attention, and speak above the revelers, having their drinks, having a good time. And maybe you know this, but it's important to remember that in the ancient world, in in Jerusalem, it wasn't always so easy to get access to safe drinking water. And this water season was a time, the whole celebration of Sukkot, particularly at the Great Hosanna, is a time in which people brought water to the temple. But we don't know if that was safe drinking water, right? So this is something very significant for Jesus to be talking about, drinking or taking in some water. So in this place where lots of spirits are being imbibed and there's no reliable source of hydration, just imagine how dehydrated and parched the people would have been. I think it's good to think about people's bodies as we read scripture because bodies matter. And obviously Jesus is referring to bodies in this passage. And you know how some, maybe you know that feeling of imbibing a bit, but being no access to hydration, you could feel that sense of like, lightheadedness or fuzziness and maybe it's not your clearest moment and for some people that might not be a safe moment so jesus didn't though speak through it he spoke to it directly from that stoop and he basically said you may not have access to what you need listen you are parched Pause in what you're drinking. Instead, come and drink from these living waters, these waters that live. Listen up. I I know you think it's unsafe to drink these waters filthy in the streets, but my waters are safe and good for you. In fact, you need them. Drink up. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let let the one who believes in me drink. I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight of Jesus' brilliant use of irony. He does it all the time. Reading 2,000 years later, that could probably get lost on us, but it wasn't lost on those crowds there. They would have known. And it shouldn't be lost on us either. Jesus was saying, What you're putting into your bodies might not be helping you right now, but I'm here. Drink from me. What you're consuming, come out a little bit on this. What you are consuming right now might ultimately be unhelpful to you, but I'm here. Drink from this well. What you're awash with, with all this injustice, all this pain, all this heartache that maybe you want to forget for a few minutes. I get it. Have your fun, but I'm here. 
Drink from this well, which never runs dry. And here's what I take from that crucial lesson. We are clearly, as we all know, not always going to have access to the specific and direct resources that we need. Not all the time. It just doesn't happen. We do thirst, right? And that's a fact. It's a given. It's part of life. We just don't always have these things. But, but we will always have God. We will always have God and God's endless resources, eternal resources. The psalmist said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, there you will be. And there, folks, is where Jesus will go for you. Into the storm. Into the dangerous, for him, streets of Jerusalem. Up on a tree to the fires of hell and back to the tomb whose heavy rock was as light as a feather to God. What the world can't give you, God can. God has and God shall. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lighten your burdens, folks. The living water does just that. Thank you. And say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.